0: Hello, I'm David Schultz. Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. A rising tide lifts all boats. That may be true on the ocean, but it's not always the case when it comes to economic growth. In some cases, a growing economy benefits all people, rich and poor. In others, only the wealthy benefit during the boom times, with the poor stuck in a poverty trap. Philippe Aguillon of Harvard University says there are policies countries can adopt that are more likely to lead to what he calls inclusive growth. Aguillon says inclusive growth benefits all citizens of a country, even when they're unemployed.
1: It means that whenever someone is unemployed, things should be there so that he can become employed again. If you are a potential uh, innovator, possibilities should be given for you to innovate and enter a market. You should always have a second chance. When you want to uh, access education, you should be able to access education. And the idea is that this making growth more inclusive, makes growth more durable and more sustainable.
0: Are there any um, countries that you feel or that the data shows have done a particularly good job at sustaining inclusive growth? Yeah, for example, I think
1: the Scandinavian countries, particularly Sweden, Denmark, I think have done a pretty good job. I think, uh, you know, Germany, to some extent, I think they've, they've managed to reconcile growth, mobility and avoiding excessive inequality, social cohesion, if you want. And in fact, it makes the growth uh, more sustainable there.
0: How does inequality harm growth overall? Is, is there a, a sort of a tipping point where if inequality gets too great, that the country will move backwards as a whole?
1: Particularly, it's important to avoid exclusion by the top and the bottom. So, you, know, you have poverty traps that's not good, that creates violence and, uh, and and people who are excluded. It's also not good to have exclusion by the top. You know, you have some countries where the very rich, they don't invest in the public good anymore. You know, They have their private schools, private policemen, private everything. And that may undermines the social capital. And I think social capital is very important for a country to grow in the long run.
0: Are there any countries in particular that really stand out to you as examples that, that are really being harmed by inequality and that are sort of the opposite of, of these Scandinavian countries that, that are really promoting inclusive growth?
1: You know, I think uh, Latin Ameri- some Latin American countries uh, were of that kind. For inclusive growth doesn't mean that everybody does ex- equally well at all times, but, uh, but it means that you try if you have a growing inequality, that at some moment you have mechanisms that make sure that this doesn't create poverty traps or a segregated society. I think that, that where you start stop being inclusive is when you have segregated society. I mean, in Sweden you have people who are richer than others, but everybody accesses the same education system, uh, more or less, and, uh, and there are opportunities for everybody.
0: Do you mean economically segregated or culturally segregated? I had
1: in, in mind the economic segregation. You know, like I was mentioning some, some countries in Latin America where the rich don't contribute to the public good because they they finance everything privately. Then then it becomes a problem. If you have an unequal society but but you know mobility is high, that's fine because you know that you can get there, you see what I mean? Where things become really bad is that if you are very unequal and some people think they are trapped, they cannot get there. There it can generate violence, it can generate political instability. Lack of cooperation, and, things, and that can be damaging. You could have an unequal society, but where, you know, opportunities are more equal. You see what I mean? That what I think that matters is a quality of opportunity and that people can always make up and can always get back into the system. I think that's what's important. If the inequality is such that there is no public good at all and therefore education is bad because the very rich oppose, for example, public good finance, that can become a problem.
0: Education is really one of the, the key, if not the key, element in inclusive growth. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, completely. I think it's, it's not the only thing, but, but I think it's a main pillar. Education is certainly a main pillar and there there are you know, success stories. We know that uh, we've learned from various studies, also for cross-country comparisons, that investing in teacher quality for everybody, having uh, you know, good uh, primary and uh, high school access to everybody with good teachers, uh, that's I think is very important. That helps uh, create a more mobile society.
0: And we, we talked about countries that are the most inclusive or regions that are the most inclusive or least inclusive. Are there countries or regions that are growing more inclusive or, or that are growing less inclusive? What, who are the sort of big, the big risers and, and sort of followers on, on your list?
1: My feeling is that the Latin American countries, for example Brazil, certainly has become more inclusive than it was.
0: Really? By, by, in, in what ways? But you know, you used you, you to have a
1: huge poverty trap there. At least they dealt with the poverty problem. You don't have extreme poverty anymore now in Brazil. That's already something. It doesn't mean that inequality overall has gone down, by the way. But you have less exclusion of the very poor. I think that the progress has been made for
0: them to access education and to be able to, to get out of the trap. And that was Philippe Aguillon of Harvard University speaking about the benefits of inclusive growth, or growth which is shared by all. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more on www.soundcloud.com forward slash IMF dash podcasts.